In step 11, we are asked to pray for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. But how do we know what God's will is? Welcome to episode 401-401 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Mark, Melanie, Raquel, Gina, Anne, David, Kimberly, and Clara. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Mark, Melanie, Raquel, Gina, Anne, David, Kimberly, and Clara, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer. I am your solo host today. Our reading from Courage to Change, January 18th, which I will read part of. The share is about wanting to help the alcoholic beginning to understand that maybe that's not the right thing to do. The reading continues, I also had to consider why I felt so desperate unless I was helping. When I took a look at my motives, I found that it was my anxiety I didn't want to face. Today's reminder, is the help I offer truly loving or do I have other motives? At a recent meeting, our topic was Step 11, to step meeting. So step 11 comes around about every 12 weeks. And I often share about the difficulty that I continue to have in establishing a regular program of prayer and meditation, or that the particular reading that we use talks about a number of different methods of doing prayer or meditation, and then concludes with saying, just pick one. I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. There's too many different ways to do it. And it's, at the end, it says, just pick one. And, and I really like that because it helps me with that feeling of overwhelm. On this day, in this Step 11 meeting, I picked up the second part of the step, which is praying only for knowledge of God's will for us. And, of course, the question when I consider that phrase is, how do I know? How do I know if what I'm feeling that I'd like to do, when I'm feeling that I want to do, when I'm feeling that I have to do, is God's will or not? That's not obvious for me a lot of the time. And I think back to an experience I had a dozen years ago, probably. An acquaintance of mine had had a really horrible experience. And I wanted to reach out I wanted to call and say, hey, I'm here. If you want to talk about it, if you just want support, know that I'm here for you. Something like that. I also had enough Al-Anon under my belt, so to speak, to know that I really should check this idea out with somebody else. So I called a program friend who also knew this acquaintance of mine. And I said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? And I think the first words out of my friend's mouth were, well, what's your motive? Why do you want to do this? Oh, 
I just stop and think. I didn't really know why I wanted to do it. I just felt like it was something that I should do, that I wanted to do. Some questions that I could ask myself about my motive. Did I really think that I could provide support and that support would be welcome? Because as I said, this was an acquaintance. This was not a close friend. This was somebody I would say hi to at meetings that maybe we'd exchange hugs occasionally, that sort of thing. But we didn't know each other really outside of meetings. I had heard about the experience through a third party. Why, why was I wanting to do this? Like I said, did I think that my support would be welcomed, would be helpful? Mm, that's a hard question. And I thought maybe not. Another possibility is I'm just trying to make myself feel better about not being able to actually do anything about the situation that this person was in, this experience that they had had. Am I just trying to make myself feel better? Ooh, that's a possibility. Yeah. And was I really close enough to this person to even talk to them about this horrible personal experience that they had? That, again, I had not heard about from them. I heard about it from a mutual acquaintance. And when I considered those questions about motivation, I decided that it would be better not to make that phone call. And years later, I still think that was the right decision. So those questions really helped me to distinguish the fact that this was my will and probably not the will of my higher power. I tried to think about some other times in my life when I have asked myself about motivation. And one that came up pretty quickly for me, because this happens frequently, it, it's a work situation. At work, we have this communication tool called Slack, and maybe you have used it. It's, a, it's an online chat, basically, and it has what they call channels, which are you can separate the, the chat into different topics by what channel you, you're, you're in. At work, we have a lot of channels that are specific to different aspects of what we're doing at work, relating to the work that different teams is doing. And, and there's also some social channels, of course, because you got to have social, especially in the remote work age, where you don't just run into somebody sitting down for lunch in the lunchroom or something and just talk about your mutual love of coffee or music or books or whatever it is. So it's an important tool for how we communicate at work. I tend to sit in a lot of the work-related channels, also a number of the social channels, because as I could almost say one of the founders of the organization, I was a very early employee and did a lot of the work to help build the first version of our system. I have wide-ranging interest and knowledge of what we do and how we do it. So I sit in a lot of these channels and mostly just watch what's going by. But sometimes somebody asks a question and I'm like, oh, I have an answer to that question. And I might drop it in there. And sometimes it's not really my question to answer. And I actually got called out on that by the manager of the internal support team who was like, hey, let the people on the support team answer the questions that they're asked. I'm like, okay, I get that. In other channels, there's not that equivalent person saying, hey, 
maybe you're not the right person to actually address this question. So I have to do some self-policing. What is my motive for doing this? There, there are questions, there are situations in which I am legitimately the knowledge holder, uh, the person who is best placed to provide an answer or a solution or a suggestion. And my motive is, in that case, to help other people get their work done. Still got that word help in there, but, and that's where some of the other questions might come in. Is this an area where my help is appropriate? Where it maybe is welcomed? Where I should step back and let another person who is closer to the situation address the question first? Sometimes I manage to ask myself that question and sometimes I just jump in. And sometimes I find that I totally misunderstood the situation and then I have to be like, oh, I'm sorry, apologize, apologize. Or just stealth go back and delete my wrong answer. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Another motive might be just to to show off, like, hey, I know something about this. I can help you. Or aren't I smart? Or don't I have a lot of experience? And when that's the motive, I need to step back. I need to not jump in. And there's a third one now because I will be retiring from the company in actually less than three months after 28 years. And there are other people who need to know how to answer the questions that I'm answering. And I need to give them space to do that. Because when I'm not there in three months, if they don't actually have the confidence that that they understand what's going on and they can answer the question, that's not going to be good for them or the organization. I have been deliberately stepping back, deliberately not jumping in with the first answer in some cases. Probably not as many as I really should. So that's something that's continuing work. Yeah. Am I jumping into a conversation because I'm bored or because there's something that I'm stuck on working on and I just want a distraction? Again, not a good motivation. So yeah, that happens and that happens frequently for me, several times a day sometimes. I think it would be probably good for me to ask myself those questions more often before my reflex. I know the answer, type, 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 type. Another place where this comes up for me is when I'm asked to volunteer to do something. This comes up frequently in my church community, for example, because that's a place where almost everything gets done by volunteers. And so there's a lot of opportunities to volunteer and a lot of need for volunteers. What is my motive to say yes? Is it that I am confident that this is something I can do, that this is something that I have the time to do, and that this is something that I want and like to do? That's sometimes a pretty high threshold. And it should be because I have had this experience of volunteering to do something where I at least didn't have the time to do it, maybe wasn't highly motivated to do it, and in a consequence did a poor job of it. And in at least one situation that I will relate in a moment, my doing a poor job potentially harmed somebody else. 
not a good place to be. And I really need to have this question forefront when I'm asked to be a volunteer. The situation that I was alluding to a moment ago, I was asked to be a mentor for a ninth grade boy in a program that we have for the ninth graders where they start to explore their own understanding of what spirituality, what religion means to them. And everybody gets a mentor to help them along that path. I jumped in because this felt like, yeah, this is something I should do. This is something that there's a need for mentors. There's always a need. And I want to do this and and come back to some of those other motivations in a moment. What happened was I really didn't have the time in my busy life to do that work to the level that I wanted to do it, that I felt was doing it well. I felt bad about that. Yeah. What are some other motivations and what was at play in this particular case where I said, yes, is it that there's a need and I feel that I should, and there's that word should be one of the people to fill it because there's a need. As I said, there's always a need and it's not always me that needs to be there. And particularly when I can't do it, that is a thing that happens. Oh, we really need somebody to do this. Okay, I'll do this. I'll be the people pleaser and I'll say yes. Because that's also a motivation. I want you to feel good about me. I want to please you. So I will say yes. Even though I'm not going to do a good job. I'm going to say yes now because you'll like me now. And we'll probably gloss over how well I did it. Is it that I just feel uncomfortable saying no? Because that also happens particularly when you're a people pleaser. You don't want to say no. Because of experiences like the one I related, I have become more comfortable saying no. No, I really don't have the time to do that. I really don't have the ability to do that. And being honest about that, and you know what? I have never had a case where somebody did not accept that answer gracefully. It's my anxiety, my fear that's at play here, isn't it? Which brings me to today. In a few hours, I will be attending my 50th high school reunion. I drove from where I live now to where I grew up, about a day's drive, to go to this thing. And what is my motive? That's a really good question, because I'm not sure. What I know is when I got the message on Facebook, and I'm not on Facebook a lot, but I got this message on Facebook that this reunion was happening, I immediately said, I got to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. And then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, I haven't kept in touch with these people very well at all. Even the friends that I was close to in my grade in high school or in earlier grades, I haven't kept in touch with. I have no idea if they're actually going to be there, my close circle. And a lot of the people in my graduating class, so there were like 300 and some odd people in my graduating class. I probably knew most of them by sight. Um, I knew fewer of them to talk to, even though we had been together in school for 12 years together, many of us. And 50 years later, How many of them do I actually remember even who they are? Probably not too many. 
So that's interesting. So what's going to happen this afternoon and this evening? I don't know. Am I going to enjoy it? Probably. Am I going to have much to say to these people? I don't know. I know that I went to one, I think it might have been 20th or 25th, so it was a while ago. Even though many of the people that I might have connected closely with weren't there, I still had people I could talk to, whether I had known them reasonably well or whether they had just been peripheral acquaintances. We still had stuff to talk about, and I enjoyed it. So I think that's probably going to happen. And actually, one of the organizers even addressed this. What are we going to do for these hours. And he said, don't worry, we'll have plenty of things, plenty of activities to share and we'll all have a good time. And I hope that's true. So what are some of the motivations that I might have for attending this reunion? Do I really want to meet up with all these people and I'm genuinely interested in knowing what they've been doing for the last 50 years? Maybe not so much. Oh, we'll see. Like, you know, is this something that's going to happen? Is this something that I'm expecting to happen? Is this a reason to go? And the answer is yes, a little bit. Okay. Is this a once in a lifetime opportunity? I mean, literally it is a once in a lifetime opportunity. There's only going to be one fiftieth reunion. There might be a 51st or a 60th or something. I'll see how many of us are still alive then. But it, it is literally a once in a lifetime and I should take advantage of it. And there's that should. Do I want to show off what I've done with my life? Probably a little bit, yes. Um, yeah, I succeeded. I succeeded in life. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. And I will report back on how these possible motives played out in the actual event. Um, we'll hear about it during the Our Lives in Recovery segment in a future episode. And that's where I'm going to stop today. This is a, an abbreviated episode because I want to get it out before I head off to the reunion so that I'm not then tempted to come back and add to it based on that experience. If you want to share, maybe you have some experience, strength, and hope to share about how you have used this question of what is my motive in your life, in your recovery, please do. You can record a voice memo on your smartphone or your computer and email it to feedback at the recovery.show. You can send a regular email to feedback at the recovery.show. You can call our voicemail number 734-707-8795. That's in the U.S. So if you're outside the U.S., you put plus one on the front of it. However, you do that when you're dialing in your country. And let me know. How do you check your motives? Have you thought about checking your motives? Is this a totally new concept to you? And you're like, wow, that's brilliant. Thank you for listening. Please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.